Amen. I'm going to uh, continue uh, and actually end our series from the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son in Luke chapter 15. So if you want to turn over there, uh, we are today going to look at the third character in this parable. On Father's Day, we looked at the father and we were reminded that the father is one who gives. The father is one who runs. The father is one who pleads. And of course, the parable, the father is God in this parable. If you missed that sermon, that's online. You can go back and listen to it. And then last Sunday, we looked at the actual lost son himself. And we were reminded that empty, there's emptiness in sin. And that in order to get out of our sin, we have to take responsibility. We can't blame other people. We can't say, well, it's their fault that I'm in sin. No, we have to own it. And most importantly, we, we learned last week from the son, the lost son, is that you can always go home, that you can always return, that you're never too far gone, but you can't come back to God. And so it's good news. It's a story of good news. And so today we're going to close out this series with this sermon titled Symptoms of OBS, Older Brother Syndrome. Older brother syndrome. Yes, there is one final character in this parable, and that is the older brother. Unfortunately, if you're like me, I find that I relate to him way too often. So let's read the parable one last time together, beginning in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to kiss his son and threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The, the son said to, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because 
he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is not a flattering story of the older brother, is it? It's not a flattering story. There's nothing positive about the older brother in this parable. It's not fun to be in a non-flattering situation, is it? You ever been there before? You ever have something happen to you and, you, you know, you just really don't look that good? We went recently to Great, uh, to great Adventure Six Flags. I took my daughter. We were riding some roller coasters. We were there with Elliot and Angela and their daughter and Wally and Tara's daughter was there as well. And we were riding El Toro. Which if you've ever ridden, El Toro is incredibly fast. Right? We were riding this roller coaster and we were all sort of sitting together. And all the way through this roller coaster, there was somebody there that was just screaming like a baby. The whole time, just crying like a baby. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. The whole time. And we're like, come on, it's enough. It's enough. No, we're going to die. And just screaming. And when we got to the end of the ride, upon further investigation, we realized that that person who was screaming was me. And it wasn't a really flattering situation as I was with the teen girls there. But none of us like to be in a non-flattering situation. Well, that's the case here with this young man. There's nothing positive said about him. But despite this unflattering situation, there are some lessons that you and I can learn from him today. There are some, some things that we can walk away with today in our life, some principles that we can check our heart if we're honest, and we can be careful so that we don't wind up in the same situation as this young man. One of the first symptoms of the older brother syndrome is this, a refusal to participate. There was a celebration going on, but in verse 28, it said the older brother became angry and refused to go in, refused to go in. One of the symptoms of having an older brother type heart is our refusal to participate. Our refusal to celebrate with somebody who's returning to the Lord, who's giving themselves, and our refusal to go in. He was so angry. It wasn't just like he missed the party. He knew there was a party and he refused to go in. It's the heart that draws a line and says, I will go this far for the Lord, but I will not go farther. 
And we're not talking, when we say participate, we're not talking about just being in an event. Because we all know that you can come to church, but it doesn't mean you're at church, right? You know, you and I can be sitting in this room, but it doesn't mean we're here. It can mean that we're really sitting there fuming or angry or upset or bothered about something else. And so one of the symptoms of the older brother syndrome is even if you're in the room, which he wasn't even in the room, but it's a refusal to participate. It's not just attending event, but it's saying, I'm not going to go there. Jesus had this conversation with the rich young ruler. Remember that? The rich young, this rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the rules. Do this, do this, do this, do that. And the guy said, check, check, check. Done it all. Been there. Done it. Done. And the Bible says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. One thing. One thing. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was having this same conversation with Jesus and he said one thing, I'd be pretty fired up, right? I'd be like, only one? You sure? Why don't you double check? Double check. Because I think there's more than just only one? That's it? He said to this man, one thing you lack, sell everything you have, give it away and come follow me. And the Bible says that the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. You see, It was not a lesson that wealth is a sin. That wasn't Jesus's point. In fact, the Bible never teaches that being wealthy is wrong. Being wealthy means you're going to have a lot more problems, but being wealthy is not a sin. What Jesus was saying was Jesus was looking for the line that this man would not cross. And he found it. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus said, here's the line. You want to follow me? You need to cross that line. See, that's what an older brother heart is like. You know, we may be here, we may sing, we may clap, we may do our things, but there is parts of our heart that are just off limits. Like, no, 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 God, God, no, no. We will not talk about that. No, we will not go there. No, I will not do that. I'm sorry, that's off limits to you, Lord. That is the older brother heart, a refusal a refuse, I refuse to go in. A refusal to participate. Listen, we get, we get much more excited about much less important things in our life, don't we? When I was uh, at Syracuse University many years ago, yeah, come on, that's right, the Lord's School, you know it, yes. When, we were, when, when my wife and I lived there, I was going to school there, I had a friend, had a friend who was a, uh, who's a, a part of the church, who's a Christian, And he also went to Syracuse, and he was inviting his friend to come to church. It was a Wednesday afternoon, and he said, hey, we have a midweek service tonight. Would you come to church? Now, his friend was very skeptical of our church because we were a little crazy, right? You know, we... We clap about God, we, we're, we're, you know, we hug each other, we sing, we, we, you know, we, we love God with, you know, so he was really skeptical of how, you know, fanatical we were about our relationship with God. And so he didn't, he, he didn't want to come to church, but instead of just saying that to us, he said to my friend, he goes, no, I can't, I can't come tonight because I'm the why. And we said, you're what? He said, I'm the Why? Well, what he meant was that night there was a Syracuse basketball game. And you know when you watch these college sports, right, that sometimes there's always a handful of crazy people who do crazy things. 
And in this particular situation, there was a group of guys, I think, what, eight of them, right? Yeah, eight of them. And they all would take off their shirts and each one of them would paint a letter on their chest and spell out the word Syracuse. That's what they did. And on national television, with their clothes, half their clothes off and their bodies painted, they would look, act like complete fools, right? I'm sure their parents were at home going, wow, there's my tuition money. Hard at work watching their kids on TV. And I always thought it was funny and ironic that here's a guy, here's a guy who's like, no, 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 no. Your church is too crazy. You guys are a little too overboard, loving each other, loving God, doing what's right, no matter what. That's a little too far. But, but for me to take off my shirt on national TV and paint my body and scream like a fool, that's okay to do. And that was his excuse for not coming to church. My point is this, is we get more fired up about less important things. Listen, you need to give your heart to God. You need to say, God, there is nothing in my soul that is off limits to you. There is no line that I won't cross for you. You want it, you got it. But an older brother refuses to go in. The older brother syndrome says, no, I will do this much and I will not go past this point. Are you drawing lines in your heart? Are you saying this far, Jesus, and no more? Is there an area in your heart today that is off limits to God? Is God calling you, but you are not responding? What is important to you? Is it your bank account? Is it your possession, your body, your relationships, your job, your schedule? All things that by themselves are not wrong, but when they become more important than God, then you and I become an older brother. When we start saying, God, I'll give you everything, but not this one thing over here. This is mine. This is mine. That is the older brother brother syndrome, a refusal to participate. I'm not talking about just coming to events. I'm not talking about people who are working through their doubts or their questions. I'm not talking about people who who feel uncomfortable in large crowds. I'm not talking about people who are genuinely trying to grow in their faith and are hitting blocks. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a stubbornness in our heart, a refusal to go all the way for God. That's the older brother syndrome. Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't ride the fence. God expects us to give ourselves completely. Every part of us. Older brother symptom, older brother syndrome, symptoms of a refusal to participate. How about this one? A tendency to exaggerate. Let's go back and look at our text here. Verse 28 is eight. It says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out to him and pleaded with him. Remember, we talked about that on Father's Day. The father who who didn't have to do anything went out to this boy and not just, didn't just, 
he didn't just ask him, but pleaded with him, pleaded. The father's pleading with him. But he answered, verse 29, his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Listen, another symptom of the older brother syndrome is this tendency to exaggerate. All these years I've been slaving and you and never disobeyed your orders. Really? Really? Never? Never. You've never done one thing in disobedience. Never once. Did your father ask for something and you and you didn't do it? Never. See, this is for those of us who are married, this is marriage 101, right? Marriage 101 is this. You never use the word never or always, right? Those are two words you don't do. Well, you never do this. You've never been nice to me. Never? Ever. Not not one. Never? Now you can say, listen, you tend to be not nice to me. It, that tends to be, you know, you could say that. You can still make your point. But when you start saying, you start exaggerating words like, you never do this, or you always do this. It's just not true. We don't know the backstory, but listen, those of us who are parents, you know, you got a grown son. He probably disobeyed once in his life, at least once. But see, that's a symptom of the older brother. You start to exaggerate. I never did anything wrong. I've never, ever done it wrong. They did everything. And this is where you really exaggerate, especially in the realm of, you know, your righteousness and their ungodliness. That's when we really start to exaggerate when we're like this older brother. Well, I did it right and you always do it wrong. That's a symptom of being an older brother. It comes from a desire to elevate ourselves. That's what it comes from. It comes from a desire to boast. You know, even though you may not feel like you're boasting, that's what you're doing. You're lifting yourself up and saying, I've done it all right, and you are all wrong. You know, the Bible teaches that if you want to boast about yourself, the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that you should boast about what? Your weakness. Boast on how you've blown it. I have just blown it, blown it, I've blown it. Let me just tell you how much I've blown it. You know, somebody else may be able to give you a list. Well, if, if you boast in your weakness, you add to the list. Yeah, that's true. And let me give you some more things. That's hard to do. That's hard to do because our tendency, my tendency is to elevate myself, to lift myself up and say, hey, but I, I'm important. Hello, I'm important. But the Bible teaches that if we're going to boast, boast on where you're weak, boast on where you blew it, boast on where you've messed up. Psalm 36, verses 1 and 2, it says, An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. That's the older brother. Flattering yourself so much you don't even see your own sins. Do you elevate yourself? 
Do you think more highly of yourself or are you willing to take an honest, truthful look at yourself? Let me give you a hint. If you right now are thinking about how this applies to somebody else, you already failed the test. You already, let's just lay it out there. If you're thinking, man, I am so glad she is hearing this. Woo! Preach it, bro. Preach it. I'm so glad he's saying this because he needs to hear this. If that's going through your mind, if you're thinking about anybody other than how you need to change, you're already failing. You have older brother syndrome. The point is, is that we humble ourselves, not the other people. Yeah, bro, let me humble you. No, you humble you, right? Let him take care of him or her take care of her. You own it for you. Older brother syndrome, refusal to participate, tendency to exaggerate. And then finally, we see a need to recalibrate. You know what recalibrating is, right? You know what that means? Recalibrating is when you reset something to a specified standard. When you adjust something so that it's in line with something else, something specific, maybe a, a, a standard of some sort. Let me give you an example. At home, we have one of those meat thermometers that we use for cooking. So when we're cooking, you slide that meat thermometer in and it'll tell you the internal temperature of the meat or whatever it is you're cooking and it can tell you whether it's done or not. But I don't know if you know this, many people have the digital ones, you know, but we have the, you know, the old, the old timey one, you know, with the little dial that spins around, right? And I don't know if you know this little side, you know, food prep information for you, but those can become uncalibrated. They can become wrong. You can put them in there and they can say a certain temperature, but they can be wrong. So you have to... You have to, before you use them, you're really supposed to, you're supposed to recalibrate them. And again, I don't know if you know this, but the way you recalibrate those thermometers is you put them into a glass of ice water. Because ice water is exactly 32 degrees. Not, not ice. If you have just ice, it's usually under 32 degrees. If you have just water, it's usually above 32 degrees. But ice water, you know, water and ice, it's kind of fluid, kind of solid. You put your, your thermometer in there, that's exactly 32 degrees. So if your thermometer reads anything other than 32 degrees, there's a little tool that you take and you adjust it and you recalibrate the thermometer to the correct temperature. You're welcome. You didn't know you were going to get like full service sermon today, did you? But that's recalibrating. This young man has a very odd response to his father. Look in verse 28. Again, it says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered to his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you. This young man forgot who he was. He saw himself as a slave to the father instead of what he actually was, and that was a son of the father. In fact, the story ends with the father trying to recalibrate him, trying to say, no, you're not my slave. 
You're my son. You're my boy. You're my child. Everything I have is also available to you. It was available to my younger son and it's available to you as well. You see, when we get this older brother mindset, we are in need of some recalibrating. We got to remember that we're not slaves. We're sons. Yes, we are called to obey the Lord. Yes, we are called to serve the Lord. But we do that because he has called us into his family and made us his children. We are his daughters. We are his sons. And we have to remember that. That's what helps us not become the older brother. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. We need to be recalibrated. We got to remember who we are. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. This verse takes it even higher. You are not only just children, but you're heirs and co-heirs. I mean, you're co-heirs with Jesus himself. We need to be recalibrated. We got to remember who we are. I love 1 John 3.1. It just simply says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. It says, and that is what we are. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what you are, who you are, whose you are? We all need to be recalibrated. We all need to be reset to the correct standard. We all need to be reminded that when you become a Christian, you are now part of the family of God, the household of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are God's family. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that a lot, a lot. I, I could become like this older brother and be like, look at all I'm doing for you, Lord. Look. And I forget that I am his son. This is a tough story. And honestly, it ends with the young man still standing outside. So the question remains, what's he going to do? But the same question is there for me and you. What are we going to do? Think of if this had ended differently. Think of if this story had been uh, the young man finding out that his brother returned and his first response was, what? He's here? Where is he? Take me to him. I can't wait to see him. Brother, welcome home. I've missed you. Imagine if that's how the story went. That's how our hearts can be today. Do you have a case of OBS? If so, 
it's not too late to get help. OBS is a chronic heart disorder that can have many serious complications, including numbness of the conscience, bitterness of the soul, failure of interpersonal relationships, visionary problems, loss of clarity of mind, and an abnormal fear of vulnerability. It can affect anyone claiming to be a Christian and is highly contagious, easily spread from one person to another. OBS is potentially dangerous disorder that, if untreated, can have negative eternal consequences on your soul. But a remedy is available. With a dose of humility and a daily diet of God's holy word, the pain and symptoms of OBS can be greatly reduced, if not removed completely. People who think they may be experiencing symptoms of of, of OBS should immediately contact the great physician. Let's not be... Let's not be the older brother. Let's not be that. Let's change. Let's not refuse to participate. Instead, let's give of ourselves. Let's not be prone to exaggerate. Instead, let's take an honest look at ourselves and see what it is that we have to learn about ourselves. Let us not forget who we are, but let's be recalibrated and remember that we were created in the very image of of God. Let's honor and glorify our Heavenly Father. Thank you. Amen.